Hey, do you know, how many of you consider yourself to be a Christian in this place? Raise your hand. Okay, for the rest of you, we're going to pray you in today. You know what makes us a Christian? Faith in Jesus Christ. We call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad you're there? Aren't you glad you're there? And you know what changes about us? is we have a story. We have a story that's unlike anybody else's. Your story is not like mine. My story's not like yours. None of our stories is like Ken's. Nobody's. <laughs> We're unique in our relations, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, he allows all of us different people to come together to be one family. We are his people. We're the ones he gave himself for us. Maybe you're here today and there is something that's happened in your life that you think prevents you from having a story, from having a testimony. I want you to forget that today. Because just when you think one thing, God will often change directions on you.
stand together as we continue to lift up the name of Jesus today. Because that is the only name by which we have any hope and any salvation. It's at the name of Jesus that the very demons tremble and will flee from this place because we're here not for them but for him. It's that name that has seen miracles happen just by the mention of the name of Jesus. It's that name that is worthy of lordship. It's worthy for us to get down on our knees and just to thank him for who he is. Oh, how Mary must have thrilled at the first time that she heard the name. You will call him Jesus. And down through the centuries, we've called on that name 
in times of despair, in times of happiness. And today we're still calling on that name. And we'll call on that name till we see him face to face. Sing it again. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something. There's just something about that name. He's the master. Master. He's my savior. Savior. Oh, Lord Jesus.
that chorus a cappella. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. I sent you out a song this week, a new song. How many of you saw it? Literally three of you from all over this vast arena saw it today. Well, you're going to learn a new song this morning then. <laughs> You'll learn it. Just jump it when you know it. There is a name I call in my troubles. There is a word I speak to my fears. There is a power to silence my worries. Let it ring out for the whole world to hear. Jesus, your Light in the darkness, 
your name I forever will sing. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning and you may be seated. Before you sit down, move around just a little bit, shake a hand, hug a net, welcome somebody at Popper Springs today. All right, do that, do that. Yeah, yeah. Good morning, Chip. How are you, buddy? Good to see you. Doing good. So good to see each of you today. God bless you. you. You can be seated, all right? You can be seated for just a moment or two. So good to see each of you today. If you're a guest today, so glad that you're here. A lot of places that you could be today and be worshiping with other congregations. That We are so glad that you are here today. And I'm especially, we, we've got a couple here today that I'm, I'm really fond of. I'm mean, like really fond of. But uh, our son Silas and his beautiful wife Summer are here today and that's them right here. And uh, they live uh, Jacksonville Beach area and uh, so uh, when we get it we try to FaceTime them ever so often but man to have them here today is just a real real treat. And uh, eventually maybe you'll get to meet all of the kids at some point all right. Just trying to get everybody together for Thanksgiving or Christmas is a hoot right now, all right? So they're spread out. They're a little bit of everywhere, but we're so glad that y'all are here today and love you. And and uh, I'm, I'm telling you, they're a sweet couple, and I know that they're ours, but I'm telling you, they're a sweet couple and uh, gifted. And uh, Silas has started a podcast, and we've listened to it, and it's just so good. And let me just tell you real quick. So when they moved to Jacksonville, they started started visiting churches. And he just kind of had a set of questions that he would just kind of think through and not to trip a pastor up or a staff up, but just thinking about who they are and the gospel itself. And, and so that kind of stimulated thought. So they have found a church, they've joined a church, and they're anchored in that, and the Lord's using them there. But what he's doing is kind of the thought that he had when he was talking to the pastors is how he's operating this podcast. And uh, so just a little infomercial for you right now, all right? And uh, so down, it's called Down to Earth, right? So if they want to find it, they go where? Down to Earth. Okay, so you techies know all about that, right? So uh, just go. I think you'll, it's very interesting. And uh, he had one of our favorite guys on the other day talking about hymns. And so I, was, I thought that's kind of neat. We sang a lot of hymns today, all right? And I'm thankful for that. Matter of fact, I'm thankful for any music that just magnifies the name of Jesus. All right? I mean, I can go from one extreme to the other and uh, so good. So you, many of you know your vision statement here at Popper Springs, right? What is it? Don't, not Scott, you can't say this, all right? So everybody else, what is it? Okay, so the same three that listened to the song are the same three that just answered the question, all right? 
So I'm going to nudge on that just a little bit. If you really believe in that vision statement, we all should know it, right? And not take it for granted. So growing disciples by connecting upward, inward, and outward, right? And so what I want to do starting today, I asked the staff this week at staff meeting, like, like where, where, what do you guys think? Where do you think the church is right now? What, what do you think would be important to kind of drill down in just a little bit? And so in the discussion, this is kind of where it landed. If we're going to make much about growing disciples, it could be that we need to be sure that we all understand what a disciple is. Now, I think that's an important question, right? And if we're going to answer that question, we need to be able to answer it from a biblical perspective. So everything that we build on, we want to build on the foundation of the Word of God. And so I'm going to encourage you to look with me for the next several weeks in the book of Matthew chapter 4. If you've got a copy of God's Word or you have your device, I want you to look with me in Matthew's Gospel chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 18. So here's what I'm going to do today. My goal today is to give you a 20,000 foot view to the answer of the question, what is a disciple? And then for the next three to four weeks, I'm going to take each of these thoughts and then I'm going to drill it down just a little bit more for the next several weeks. And so I hope and pray by the time we get to the fourth week, number one, we're going to know biblically what a disciple is. What does that look like at Poplar Springs? And everybody in the building will be able to say the vision statement together. If I catch you in the hallway, I'm going to ask you. All right? Do not avoid me. I will hunt you down. All right? I'll be like Liam Nelson. I will hunt you down. No, I'll stop right there. Okay, I'll just hunt you down, all right? But I think it's important. I really think it's important. So let's just begin today, and, and uh, I'm going to try my best, honestly, to keep it at a 20,000-foot view, and uh, then we're going to build on it. So if you have found your place, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him, and going on from there, he saw Two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Father, today we thank you and praise you for who you are. Lord, to be able to come and just to, to gather together today as a body of believers. And Lord, maybe even some seekers are here today who, who don't know you. But Lord, our prayer would be that, that everyone would know you. 
And so, Lord, I'm asking you to take over and just, Lord, you preach your word through me today. God, I thank you for this passage, and I believe it gives us incredible insight into what you say a disciple is. And, Lord, that should be our definition of what a disciple is. And so, Lord, as you speak, I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray, God, that we would just come close to you and sit at your feet. And that, Lord, that you would just uh, love us and teach us and grow us, transform us, change us, Lord, through your word today. And God, for all that you do, we will thank you and bless you and praise you. And we ask it in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. What is a disciple? Well, I, this is probably one of my favorite passages to help answer that question. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. It is found in verse 19. Here's the three things. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. There's the definition right there. First of all, notice said, Jesus said to follow me. First and foremost, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. Do you know those are probably the two most important words that you and I will ever entertain. Your eternal life, your eternal destination is predicated on what you and I do with those two words, follow me. If you are here today and you are a born-again believer, you as a servant of the Most High God, everything that you and I do are going to be predicated on those two words, follow me. From the very beginning, God has all wanted men and women to follow him. You can trace that all the way back in the Old Testament. Even in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, his heart's desire was that they would follow him. And that's the call that is still about the gospel today, that you and I, men, women, boys, and girls would follow Jesus He's always said that. If you, if you, not tradition, not, not a theme, not a religion, not men, not an association, not cultural trends, not opinions, not an idea, but follow me. God was speaking to Noah one day and said, follow me. And Noah began to follow the Lord. As a matter of fact, he followed him so close that God closed the door of the ark that Noah would be protected from the storm. God said to Abraham, follow me and I will take you to a city whose builder and maker is God. God said to Joseph, follow me. And he took him from the pit to the prison to a palace. I'm telling you, Joseph didn't quit in the midst of all the bad circumstances around him. Why? Because he was following God. He didn't throw in the towel. He just simply obeyed and followed God. God said to Moses, follow me. And Moses said, but God, there's a big old red sea in front. If I take these people there, they're going to drown. And God said, follow me. And you know what he did? He followed God and, and a million people walked across on dry ground. God has always said to his people, follow me. He said to Joshua, follow me. 
I'll take you to a place of abundance and victory in the land of Canaan. God said to Gideon, follow me and I'll show you more power than you can ever imagine. God said to David, follow me and Goliath fell. God said to Daniel, follow me and I will show you a future like no man has ever seen the future. God said to Ezekiel, follow me and I will show you my glory. He said to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew stopped working for the king of that day and began to work for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God said to Andrew, follow me. And he brought his brother to Jesus. God said to Peter, follow me. And upon this rock, I will build my church. He said to John, follow me, and I will show you what heaven and earth is going to be like one day when I make all things new. Ladies and gentlemen, God has not changed. And he says today, follow me. Following Jesus is not based on your circumstances. It's not based on how you feel. It doesn't depend on where you are or who you are. It doesn't depend on education. Thank God for that because God will even save a redneck from Greer. <laughs> so following Jesus, I'll tell you there's a clue in the framework of the text. So let me just, let me back up just, just enough this morning because I'm going to drill this down next week. Let me back up just a little bit. Following Jesus involves repentance. Look what he says, just, just very quickly. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Following Jesus involves a, an act of repentance of this about face. It, it is turning from sin and self and turning to trust in the sufficiency of what Jesus did for us at the cross. Thank God for the cross. Somebody say amen. Because there is the place that we celebrate today that Jesus took all of our sin upon himself. And so, so you understand that following Jesus is not about rules and regulations. That's called legalism. Now, I know that very well because I grew up in a church culture that was, that was deeply immersed in legalism. Men, if your hair was too long, you were going to hell. Ladies, if you had short hair, you might. <laughs> For sure, if you wore pants. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And if you wore makeup, you were a Jezebel. You were probably going to go to hell number two. What I love about this text, when you're thinking, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is following Jesus, who is in a relationship with a person, not a, not a system, not a set of rules and regulations. You understand that following Jesus is about Jesus and Jesus alone. And so I know what that other culture is like. But I know that on June 11th, 1978, I tasted grace. For the very first time. Last week, there were four individuals that preached the best message last week because we watched their baptism, right? 
Ladies and gentlemen, that is the picture I want you to get in your mind. Following Jesus means that we turn from sin and self and that we trust Jesus. So how do you answer the question, what is a disciple? First and foremost, it's someone who follows Jesus. That's what he, that's what he said here in the text. Follow me. But the second thing I want you to see is this. A disciple is someone who is continually changed by Jesus. I, you, you've heard me say this several times. I've even said it today. So I know I came to faith on June 11th, 1978, 16 years old, just, just a few miles down the road here. But here's what I know. God, since that day, has continued to change me. He is still changing me. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Is the Lord still whooping the devil out of you? He's good at that, right? And so Jesus made this statement, follow me and I will make you. I want you to listen carefully. Disciples are not born. Disciples are made. He is the one who does the making. The end goal of spiritual transformation is that you and I look like Jesus. And he continues to work. He continues to change. He continues to morph us. I love that word. It's, a big word is called sanctification, right? That God is sanctifying us. Again, what does that mean? Well, think about a butterfly. We were in Phoenix uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and one of those days we went to the botanical gardens there, and I went along because I just love botanical gardens. <laughs> no, I love my wife. <laughs> Who loves botanical gardens? And so, therefore, I went joyfully, but I'm telling you, it was beautiful. It was absolutely stunning. And that day, we didn't know this, but they were having a butterfly exhibit. They were thousands of different varieties of butterflies, and we spent, I don't know how long in that exhibit. I asked Pat, I said, sweetheart, how many pictures are on your phone. So before we left, she took 2,000 pictures off her phone and put them in the cloud. Okay? If I'm not mistaken, by the time we got home, she's back up to 10,000. She took a picture of every butterfly, uh, every single butterfly. I don't know if you've ever messed with those things or not, but years ago we, we had a dear family that moved in to our neighborhood and, and uh, they, the, the husband was on contract with BMW and Peter, his name was Peter and her name was Barrigan and we just connected with them. And we loved them and we know that they loved us and they were far from Jesus, but we had built a relationship and we would just love on them. And, but she, she would take these, she would order, and these 
little caterpillars would come in the mail and she would put them in her backyard and all of a sudden there'd be butterflies. And so she gave Pat some of the little caterpillars and we bought this thing and they're inside and we're watching them grow and develop and then they start to cocoon and all that kind of stuff. And one day we left, we came back and one of them was no longer in the cocoon. It was out of that cocoon and here is this beautiful butterfly. And we thought, man, the other one's struggling. We need to help the other one. And we did. We tried to help the other one. And guess what happened? It died. Because there's a process that God knows works and has nothing to do with me. Do you understand? That is the same thing that Jesus does in morphing us, transforming us, sanctifying us. It is he who makes the change, not we ourselves. So when you're talking about I will make you, you're watching Jesus make this audacious statement that not only can you not save yourself, you can't change and grow yourself. It is not a natural work. It is a supernatural work of God. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. What? All things are becoming new. It is a work of transformation, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, right? And then, then the next verse talks about this transforming of your mind, this changing. And so God begins to work, and he changes our attitudes. He changes our priorities. And again, this change is not natural. It is a supernatural change. It is Jesus being Jesus in me. It is Jesus being Jesus in you. It is Jesus who is in control. I, I, I know that I say this a lot, but I think it needs to be said a lot. You and I aren't in control of anything. It's amazing. I never get any amens when I say that. I think one day the Lord will finally convince you that that's true. We're not in control. Sometimes I forget that I'm not in control, and I want to be in control. I say I love Jesus as long as he does what I want him to do. Right? And I have to remind myself, this is not Burger King. I can't have it my way. I mean, this is, this is the Christ life. Not my life, it's his life. And the goal is not for me to work for God. The goal is for Jesus to do his work in me and through me. The same goal is your goal. That Jesus would do his wonderful work in you and through you for his good and for his glory. So it's okay that we're not in control. Because when you, when you get to this level... What we're going to drill down in two weeks on this point is this. This is not about you making some kind of decision. That's a word that we toss out so often like, man, we can just decide to do this and decide to do that. That is not the terminology of Jesus. When he says, I will make you, there is a level of commitment there. That's why Jesus on another occasion said this, if any man will come after me, and, and he wants us to follow him, right? We've established that. A disciple is one who follows Jesus. And Jesus made this statement, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow 
me. So let me just remind you, the instrument called the cross is an instrument of death, right? It is the idea that I die, he is my life, right? And, and the life that I have, according to Galatians 2.20, the, the life that I have, the life that I function in, isn't my life, but it's his life, and it's his life being lived in me, which means I have no rights. I know we live in a day, culturally and politically speaking, where everybody wants their rights. I have a right. When you come to Jesus, guess what? You lose all that. You lose all that. But look what you get. <laughs> you get him. You get your sins forgiven. You get eternal life. And so he is making this audacious, bold statement. You follow me and I will change you. We're going to draw down on that. He went on to say at another occasion, my sheep do hear my voice and do follow me. You don't see the wishy-washy Christianity that we see in churches today in the church of the New Testament. You just don't see it. They were willing to die. People like Stephen were martyrs. They gave their life for the gospel. They were thrown in prison and said, don't you speak that name again and got bailed out. And guess what they did? went right back out in the streets and proclaimed the only name that can save, the name of Jesus. Follow me and I will make you. So he just continually changes, continually transforms. It's an ongoing work. We call that a process. We are morphing more and more into the image of Jesus. Last thing, follow me, I will make you, make you what? To become fishers of men. So a disciple is not only someone who follows Jesus, a disciple is a person who is continually changed by Jesus, but then lastly, a disciple is someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. Say, so Kim, what was that mission? I'm so glad you asked. Jesus on one occasion was asked a very similar question and he made this statement. I came to seek and to save those who were lost. That was his mission. That's why he was sent by the Father to come, to live, to bleed, die, to, to take all of our sins to the cross, to, to pay the punishment. All of the, the, the holy wrath of God was poured out on Jesus at the cross you, so that you and I could be justified. And then he, he is buried in a borrowed tomb. And aren't you glad that three days later, death could not hold him down? He made a statement, if I, if I lay my life down, I have the power to take it up again, right? And so, listen, you and I do not serve a dead deity. We serve a risen Savior today who was on a mission to do what many of you have experienced. You've tasted his grace. And, man, it's good. And God redeemed you. It's good. 
God's doing a fresh work of grace in you every single day. His loving kindness never runs out. His mercies are fresh and new every single day. I love that song that y'all sang. Because you cannot bankrupt God's love, nor can you bankrupt his mercy, nor can you bankrupt his forgiveness. Isn't that good? Now, we write each other off, don't we? We live in the cancel culture, and the cancel culture has already crept into the church. And if you don't believe exactly what I believe, y'all with me? Boy, we draw those lines hard. So, maybe we need to be reminded why we're here. To follow Jesus, to be changed by him. And then lastly, that we would embrace his mission as our mission. If he came to seek and save, then we get to join him in his mission. It's not that we save anybody, but here's the deal, church. If you've been saved, you've got a testimony, you can share the gospel. It is the gospel, and the gospel is it's the only thing that can save. Romans 1.16, right? He declares that there's only one power that can save, only one power that changes. And what is that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we as changed, morphed, sanctified people get to join Jesus. And we get to share the message of the gospel. You may not get to preach, but I definitely want to be sure I preach the gospel. Amen? When we sing, let's sing the gospel. When we pray, let's pray the gospel. As we live, let's live the gospel. I'm going to drill down on that one so hard. I'm not going to tell you which week, but boy, I'm going to drill hard on that one. Because that day, I think we may have to make a decision. We're going to play church or be the church? We're going to play church or be the church? Are we going to see ourselves as an extension of God's hand and proclaim the true gospel? Of Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you real quick, and I know time's about gone, because I don't want the Methodists to beat y'all to lunch, right? There is a false gospel being preached, and that false gospel is very popular because it puts you, it puts man, flesh at the center of it all. And God becomes nothing more than our ATM. He becomes nothing more than our fire escape from hell. He becomes nothing more than an errand boy to give us what we want. And I'm going to tell you something, church. Listen to me. That is not the gospel of the Bible. It's not the gospel of the Bible. So I, I want to be sure that we understand what is the gospel and how does this mission work? How can we bear fruit in such a way that a disciple makes another disciple? I mean, if you just really think about it, I mean, just let me just toss this out. Remember, I'm trying to fly at 20,000 foot. But what if? Can we play what if for a second? Just a real quick what if. What if every disciple saw themselves as a follower of Jesus, you understand that God's continually changing you, and number three, we get to join God in his redemptive purposes. And what if in just one year's time, 365 days, what if every disciple 
lived and, and, and expressed in such a way the truth of who Jesus is that we just saw one other person come to faith in Christ in a year's time. Don't ask me how many people are here today. You know, preachers are terrible about stuff like that. You go to a meeting tomorrow. How many did you have? Well, we had just under 1,000. You sure did, 47, right? So, so I'm not exactly sure how many are here, but I'm going to say we're probably bouncing around that two, I'm going to say what, 250, 275-ish? And I could be off a little bit, you know. I don't want to get crazy on numbers either, okay? That's not a big deal for me. But what if every disciple lived in such a way that you made a disciple in one year's time. Y'all understand the implication, right? You talk about church growth. You don't, have to, you, don't have, you don't have to have any gimmicks for that. You just get to share the gospel. It doesn't become man-centered, but it stays Jesus-centered. And wouldn't it be great to be able to stand before God as his disciple and have lived in such a way that we bear spiritual fruit? Oh, my soul. So we're going we're gonna to dig in and say, Ken, are you like, yep. So for the next three to four weeks, so next week we're going to look at following Jesus. And I'm going to drill that down even harder. And then the following week, we're going to look at what sanctification really looks like. How does he change us? We're going to drill that down. Use the book of Ephesians to help us with that. And then the third week, maybe the third and fourth week, I'm going to drill down in what does that practically look like? If we became gospel-centric, what would that really look like? We're going to have some fun. Let me ask you a question. Promise, last question. Are you following Jesus today? Do you know for an absolute certainty that you are following Jesus. I'm not asking you, are you a church member? Because your church membership is not going to get you to heaven. I'm not asking if you're baptized, because baptism doesn't get you to heaven. It's an outward demonstration of what's happened inward, but that doesn't get you there. Just because, you're, just because you live in Spartanburg County, right, doesn't mean anything. I don't be offensive, but well, I probably shouldn't go there. But I'm just going to go there. <laughs> just because if, 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 your, if your grandparents or great-grandparents gave all the land for all this to happen, I'm just telling you, you can't get to heaven on the coattails of somebody else. It's the gospel. And if you've never had a life change where you have turned from sin, turned from self, and you've placed your faith in the work of Jesus, his finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection. Friend, that is the, that's the story. That's the message. That's the truth that will birth you into his forever kingdom. And so I hope you hear my heart today more than anything else. Are you following him? Because nothing else really matters. 
Lord, today, I thank you and I praise you for such a simple text. But Lord, that one verse is incredibly rich and full of of life and gospel and meaning and Lord, we, we just, we see you, Jesus, in desiring a relationship with us that we would follow you, that, God, we would know repentance and be reconciled to you. Lord, the word teaches that we were enemies. We, we were not for you or with you. But, Jesus, you came you came as an obedience to the Father. And you came and you lived and you died. You were buried and rose again. You sprinkled your blood on the mercy seat. You fulfilled all that the Father had sent you to do. And Lord, we recognize today the word, the truth that, God, we cannot save ourselves. It's not of works lest any man should boast. That, God, we were dead. We were in darkness. God, that we did not have your life. But the moment that we trust you, the moment that we confess our sin and repent of our sin and trust the finished work of Jesus, Lord, you make us a part of your forever family. Our sin can be erased. Lord, our debt has already been paid. And God, you can give us your very life. And so, Lord, more than anything else, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, God, I want them to follow you. And I trust, Jesus, that you will do what you, through the Holy Spirit, will do in your word to bring a person to faith. Lord, maybe there's some believers here today, and Lord, sometimes we fight this morphing. There is a real war possibly going on with some folks here today because, God, they know where they are and where they could be. And, Lord, sometimes we have such a wrestling match, this warfare that's going on in our members. And so, God, I pray that even now the work of, the, the work of sanctification will continue to, Lord, be engaged even in this moment. God, things that we would die to in order that your life would be lived. And Lord, I pray that you'd begin even now to do a work in my heart and the heart of your people here at Poplar Springs about what it really means to join you in your mission to seek and to save. And so, Lord, may we just give you our all. And may we trust you for who you are. And God, I pray that, Lord, your, your mercies and your love and kindness, God, will just be fresh and appealing. And, uh, Lord, just so spiritually satisfying for your people. So, Lord, even in this time of invitation, I don't know what you will do. But, Lord, we will give a public invitation and just declare that, Lord, we need you and that we need the gospel to do what only it can do. And so, Lord, you lead in this time. We'll praise you for what you do. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Our team is going to lead us. Maybe you're here today and you've got questions. You say, Ken, i got a lot of questions. Hey, you know what? Good. 
I'd love for you to come and just let me, let me meet you and greet you. And we'll, we won't have to answer all those questions right now, but I'd love to be able to, to find time to do that. But maybe you're struggling with something today and you just, you see that the Lord is working and just stop fighting. Trust Him. As we sing together, just trust Him. encourage you. Raven, come and stand here with me right quick. And we'll get mom and dad to come up here in a second too, okay? This is Raven. How many of y'all know Raven? All right, can you tell her hello? There you go. They're, they're scared. All right, they're, they're scared. <laughs> We're going to have to coach them up, all right? We'll coach them up. So guess what? So yesterday, riding in the car, uh, Jesus can do anything he wants to anytime he wants to, right? So even in a car, having a conversation with mom and dad, uh, they got to lead their daughter Raven to Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's so awesome. So we want to. So we want to. We want to pray for them. We want to pray. Conversations about baptism and all that kind of good stuff. And so we're going to do that. Okay. So after the service, they want to come by and just say hey to you. Are you okay with that? All right, good deal, good deal. Isn't this good news? Amen. amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand, all right? Amen, amen. I'm going to let you sit back down with mom and dad, okay? Amen. Anything you need to do, bro? You can just remain standing for a moment, and then we'll, um, we'll be dismissed.
from here. But uh, remember tonight is the compass meeting at 6 o'clock. There's men, um, deacons training for those who could not come last week. Deacons training today in the conference room at 3 o'clock. And uh, 3 o'clock, guys, don't forget that. And um, we'll look forward to that. Uh, choir rehearsal at 5. Men's meeting uh, next time. Don't shake your head. Um, men's meeting will be next Sunday night at 6.15. Our groups have been out in meeting uh, during the course of this month. We'll get together and talk about that scripture next week. And we'll just, um, just bring some desserts again. We'll just have a, about an hour together. Uh, as you leave today, as you go out, there'll be some men at the doors with offering plates. And Kim wants to love on me. And... and uh, <laughs> Talk to Carol, and then we're going to, um, and then we're, um, they'll be at the doors with the offering plates. They'll also be, uh, if you prefer to drop it in the black boxes. I recognize Kim, and then I have one more person to recognize. Well, I do love you very much. I just want to make an announcement. Can I do that? Okay. All right. All right. So in two weeks, something really great and really big and really exciting is happening here at Poplar Springs. Um, we have our trunk or treat on Sunday, October the 30th from 5 to 7 p.m. Now, I have about nine trunks signed up right now. I need at least 30. So, I need people to think about that, pray about it, and sign up and let me know. But also, ladies and anybody else, it doesn't have to be a lady, but we're having a dessert contest this year. So, if you want to make a dessert, a cake, or whatever it is, just um, sign up. That's on the form as well. It's all one form you can sign up. If you don't want to do a trunk, but you, you're like, I can do some heavy lifting, hey, I got a job for you there too. There's something for everybody. If you want to, this is not on the form, but you can let me know. If you want to be the judge of the dessert contest, Joey, I'm, I've got you. Um, I saw him. He put his hand up right there. Not very high, but it, it, he wanted it. So please, please come and be a part of that. This is one of the biggest outreach events for our church every year, and so we are very excited about this. Please come and be a part. Also, we've had a great time with soccer. I have a great time every Saturday coaching a sport I know nothing about, okay? But we have a great time, and the kids are really learning. But guess what? Basketball is right around the corner, and sign-ups for basketball are going on right now. We hope to have a team in every age group from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. So if you want to be a part of that, it, they don't have to go to church here. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors. You can sign up online as well. Fantastic. Lots of good, good, good things going on. Joey, you do not need to be there. <laughs> Brad, I'd like to recognize Brad. <laughs> 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 Where, where's Doug here? Is Doug here today? Uh, I just wanted to first of all say thank you to Doug and Patty for doing so much hard work and putting this over this evening. You know, the last few weeks, you, you've gotten to watch Joey get up here and, you know, <laughs> pray for Brad. Well, I do appreciate those prayers. Uh, they paid off. <laughs> And he will tell you that. <laughs> now, you know, it's amazing when you get a bunch of kids together and, and to see them, is, they, they've actually blessed me. It has been amazing. I'm sure Joey would say the same thing. 
uh, to watch these kids come to life out there and, and to whoop up on Joey. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but, but just to say that, you know, continue to pray because we're taking advantage of that. <laughs> Amen. There's, a, there's one more game next week. We got two, more. two more games. So, yeah, <laughs> so, uh, so if you get a chance, uh, you're going to be too heavy with desserts. You don't have a chance. Um, if, you don't ha- if you haven't had a chance to just go out and see, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing. We came over on, for a makeup game this past week, and it was just fantastic. And there's by far more people here on Sunday. So don't uh, forget that. Hey, don't forget six, six o'clock tonight, uh, compass meeting. It's going to be great. I would like, for, as we are leaving, I'd like for you to pray for a couple of folks. Um, uh, a couple of my people here know just because they've have been close to me for a long time, but a friend of mine, uh, Dan Abraham that I grew up with, and Kim's known him, uh, uh, his father passed away, uh, Gerald Abraham worked for the post office downtown for a lot of years and he passed away early Friday morning and we're going to be doing that service tomorrow and also Wayne Cox is very low at this hour and we need to remember him uh, as we pray and I know there's there's others Um, we need to pray for Nora's sister and um, who Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson was taken back to the hospital this morning. And I usually don't take this time to do that. But if you have someone we just need to pray for, hey, you know what? It might be somebody that needs Jesus. If you have somebody you need to pray for, you just raise your hand. God sees them. God sees them. He knows every one of them. Let's pray together. So, Father, today as we leave this place, we thank you that you have been true once again, that you have met with us and you've redeemed one. And and Lord, you've challenged our hearts with your word. And Lord, your word is always a challenge. And we thank you for that. Lord, we're just grateful for what you're doing here in these days with with soccer and kids stuff and youth stuff and all the men's ministry and women's ministry and all the things that are going on. But most of all we're just thankful that you meet with us all the time Lord we're also just in need of bringing a lot of folks that we care deeply for to your attention we've mentioned the Abrahams and the Cox family and Lord you know what all of them are going through at this time we've mentioned Mike Johnson and Nora's sister and Lord and besides that besides that lots of folks have raised a hand today saying I have someone close to me I just need to bring before the Lord. Lord, I don't know all those names. You cannot forget any of them. So I thank you today that not only do you remember, but you are the one who can change. Lord, with just a word, our Jericho's fall. And I pray it will be that way in the lives of many who have been represented by an uplifted hand or a spoken word today. Lord, tonight I pray as we meet to hear about the good things that you're doing, as we come together for fellowship, there'll be a time like no other, that we're just happy to be in the house of the Lord, happy to be with one another. And as we go from this place today, that you would dismiss us with your peace and that the moment that we've shared together 
will never be far from our minds and our hearts. We love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.